she stops with her rostrum, her nose, about 18 inches from my hands, from either side of my hands. If I closed my hands together, I, I could have placed them on either side of her, her rostrum, and she just stopped. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today we are going to be talking with Susan Bird about swimming with humpback whales. Now, Susan is an experienced professional with whales and dolphins, and she is also a personal empowerment coach who assists clients to clarify their life purpose and express their full potential. So she she does a lot of energy work, and if you ever meet Susan, you will just feel just that amazing energy that uh, radiates from Susan. Uh, she is just an incredible woman. And I actually met Susan, gosh, it was about five years ago on a live aboard dolphin trip. So we spent a week on a boat with maybe um, 15 other people in the middle of the ocean in the Bahamas. And we swam with wild Atlantic spotted dolphins for a week. It was incredible, absolutely incredible. And uh, my husband actually lost his wedding ring on that trip. And we just think that the ring is now one with the dolphins on at the bottom of the ocean. I think it's kind of nice, actually. He, he did get a new ring. Uh, however, I met Susan on that trip and I... I just thought that she would be the perfect person to have on the show and really talk about swimming with humpback whales. And she swims with all kinds of whales, but she she does help lead trips to swim with these amazing gentle giants. And I hope to do this trip in our near future, maybe the next few years. But Susan will share her own story of swimming with these amazing creatures as well as how to guide to make this happen, which includes costs, um, what you need to bring, your type of gear, a best time to go, how to book, etc. We have it all for you. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Today, we're talking about humpback whales. And you, you are the expert, I feel like, of humpback whales. <laughs> I laugh at that. Um, I wouldn't call myself the expert. I've spent um, a number of hours in the water with them. And so um, I feel that I know them in a, in a different way than, say, uh, a scientist who studies them. Put it that way. Okay, true. But you are very, you're very in tune with humpback whales and, and dolphins. And could you share with our listeners about one of your favorite experiences of swimming with humpback whales? Well, I've been thinking about this. And one of my very favorite experiences dates back, I want to say 1999. I was leading a group, a small group of people down to swim with 
humpback whales in the Dominican Republic. And at that time, um, yeah, I just, I, I was just getting started doing it. And the people that I chose were friends um, and a couple of clients from my healing business. And we had one of the small tenders. Each liveaboard boat has two tenders, and it's usually eight to 10 people per, per small boat when you go out and actually kind of motor among the whales and potentially get in the water. And we went uh, during a year that was relatively windy and rainy, and it was early in the season. And it was just one of those years where there was um, quite a lot of patience required for in-water activity. We had a lot of um, interesting surface, you know, we'd, we'd see breachers and, and fin slappers and a lot of tail lobs. And, you know, when it's windy, the, the whales love to breach and spin themselves out of the water. And it, it, it's all very lovely. But I knew that my people, my guests really wanted to get in the water. And um, one of my very best friends in the world was accompanying me. And while we did have a few in-water opportunities for flybys and and uh just to see the whales moving she would stay on the boat every single time and i'd say you know sandy come on get in the water no 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 i'm very content to be where i'm at well i'll kind of complete her story at the end of this story the night before our last day being on the water i um, gathered the group and and led them through a guided meditation and part of the meditation was them envisioning themselves floating in the ocean and being surrounded by whales and just kind of bringing in that beautiful whale energy. And we, we went into our final day with that kind of that imprint and that open hearted sense of uh, connecting with whale spirit. Lo and behold, we didn't come across a bunch of whales, but we came across a mother and calf and the, the mother whale would kind of keep herself away from our boat to an extent and she would rest under the water as mothers do uh, about 20 feet under the water and then the calves need to come up to breathe much more frequently than the mothers so they might be on a four minute breathing cycle whereas the mother breathes every 20 minutes or so but this mother was staying again maybe four boat lengths away from us and finally the person leading the trip said, well, why don't you try to get in the water and just see what happens? And um, I remember instructing everybody to just kind of fan out. So it was sort of like if you could imagine birds that, that, that migrate with a lead bird and then birds fanning out mm -hmm. from the lead. Mm -hmm. I was in the front and I said, just slowly approach and nobody really move any faster than me and let's just see what we can do. And we, we got in the water and slowly approached. And then I stopped, oh, I want to say 20 yards from her. And she was down under the water and her calf was tucked under her pectoral fin. And I had my hands out in front open with my palms towards the mother. And I was streaming energy, doing kind of an energy healing and just thinking to myself to project to her just feelings of love and appreciation. And then just peace and conveying to her that, that we as a group were entering her environment with the um, essence of peace and, and welcoming and invitation in our hearts to do whatever she wanted to do. And holding this intention of, of love and appreciation, we all watched her 
slowly, slowly, slowly begin to rise at an angle, coming up, 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 up her nose, getting closer and closer and closer and closer. So she's at about a 45 degree angle with her nose coming closer and closer and she stops with her rostrum, her nose, about 18 inches from my hand, from either side of my hands. If I closed my hands together, I, I could have placed them on either side of her, her rostrum and she just stopped. And <laughs> the people behind me were like, oh, what do we do? And, you know, he says, keep calm. And for about a minute and a half, you know, I actually closed my eyes and just was exchanging what I felt was loving energy with this, with this mother. And during this time, she's at a 45 degree angle from us on the surface. Her little calf is circling under <laughs> her and peeking up at our group and then kind of tucking back under and then going on the other side and peeking back up. And after that, you know, minute or two exchange, the mother didn't even come up her breast. She just, her nose just lowered back down. She planed out and drifted just, just directly under us. And then we kind of moved off so that we are on one side of her. And I always maintained eye contact with the mother. So I positioned so that she could always have that eye contact. And for the next hour and a half, she stayed in that position and her baby, her calf came up and would swim by our group, <laughs> make a circle, look at everybody, drop back down. She would come up every 20 minutes or so and, and take a breath and maybe move you know, 10, 20 feet and submerge again and stop. And we'd reposition and we just had the most amazing um, encounter. And, you know, what happened in that exchange? I don't know. You know, I, I think that I know, but it, it was, it was profound. And um, I felt like that was the essence of a, a mutually agreeable and respectful and loving encounter an agreement to meet and sort of see one another from a soul perspective. So that, that really stands out as one of my favorite uh, experiences. And my friend, my friend who had stayed on the boat the entire time until this last day, it was the one encounter that she got in the water with. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was worth a week of you know you know dealing with the wind and a little bit of rain and <laughs> you know which is part of the package sometimes and you know you grow you grow accustomed to looking at clouds and seeing animals in the clouds if you're trying to entertain the guests. <laughs> oh, no. so, um, so it, oh. it made it all worthwhile, which is you know those trips tend to be. Um, just magical in so many ways. There's always something great that happens. And that that's one of my absolute favorites. That is incredible. Incredible. Man, what an experience. <laughs> what an experience. I mean, and it's so vivid in your memory. It, re from it really is. It's one of those where I partly because it was one of the, you know, it was in the first few weeks where I had it's really started doing doing this kind of thing with whales. I've been in the water quite a lot with, with a lot of dolphins and who I absolutely adore. Um, but it just, it really stands out. And, and just the, the people there, it was just a, a warm, loving, fun group. But I've, I've ha I have had many other experiences. I had opportunity to be with whales shortly after the passing of both of my parents at separate times. 
And during those, it was like maybe a week before I was leaving for a whale trip that the, this trying event occurred. And it seemed like it, during those times, the whales really responded in, in, in very like fashion to what I was going through when, when my mother passed. When I was out with on the Silver Bank, I just had multiple encounters and and passbys of mothers and calves, mothers and calves, and the mothers would just <laughs> look very almost intently into my eyes, and I felt like, wow, what an opportunity for healing. And then when my father passed, uh, him being a much more uh, lively <laughs> mm -hmm. character, uh, tempestuous is is that a word? Um, and there yeah. were more rowdy groups and um, <laughs> frisky whales. And, and um, that to me was sort of um, synchronistic as well. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting how you can feel that energy mm -hmm. coming from them and how it's matching what's going on in your life. It, it so happened on, on those occasions, yeah. Yeah, no, your story is in incredible like that that's what this podcast is about and it's to find those unique experiences in the world that stick with you for years and years to come and um, i'm so glad we're talking i love your story and why why do you think others should experience swimming with humpback whales i think that Others should experience swimming with humpback whales because, um, well, it's, it's largely to, to serve the whales themselves and our planet. What I have observed when people embark on this kind of travel or adventure is that it's, it's so out of, out of the ordinary. In this circumstance, where, where I like to go, we're, we're on a liveaboard boat. We, um, we leave from port and we motor out 85 miles from shore and there are three moorings for three operators who have permits to do this and that in itself kind of pulls people out of their normal day-to-day -day experience so all you know if nothing else happens um, you've broken from your your structure and there's no internet, there's no interference. You're you're surrounded by water and the stars, and uh, and then the experience of you know s stepping on a smaller boat. Sometimes the seas are moving a bit. It again, it, it pulls people out of their comfort zones in a, in a positive and safe way. And you know you're you're then motoring out and and looking and scouting for spouts and and whale body parts coming out of the water with the sun glistening on their on their body parts, whether it's a tail or a peck fin or a spy hopping nose or or just as they as they arch their back to, you know, come up and take a breath and head back under the, the beautiful, it's a heart-shaped exhalation, a misty blow that they create with with every exhalation. You know, starting to scout and train people's eyes to look at the world in a different way. Again, it expands awareness, it expands people's consciousness. And, and then when they have an opportunity to um, get closer to the animals, even on the surface, you, you feel a shift in people where, where something goes from being 
you know, somewhat foreign to recognizable and then somewhat familiar. And you see people just their, their level of appreciation grows exponentially. <laughs> and then, mm -hmm. and then if given the opportunity to enter the water, to me, the ocean is, um, it's representative of another level of consciousness. And, and to me, when, when people enter the water, it's almost like entering subconscious aspect of the earth and um, it, it's mirrored in a subconscious <laughs> delving yeah. within themselves and then to be exposed to just a whole different world the underwater world and then to have this magnificent 35 to 45 foot creature that's just beautiful and aware and moves so gracefully in the water and so generously will be accepting of of another form of life being in their environment to have that being actually surface and look directly into people's eyes to me it, it shifts something within their their hearts and souls and if they were not proponents for the welfare of of marine mammals um, <laughs> before you know people come out of that situation really not just doing lip service or or thinking good thoughts about ocean conservation and preservation of the animals in the sea but but they're they are changed and it becomes kind of part of their dna that they they're then inspired to want to protect and, and want to become more proactively involved in, in caretaking the earth and its inhabitants and I've seen people's lives changed by it. I've seen people grow more compassionate. Not only is it a, a, an opportunity of a lifetime for each, each person, but it, it, again, it has this transformative potential for people to really be thinking beyond um, our, our race and really embracing another form of life in a, in a very intimate way that I think isn't necessarily possible if you, even if you visit, um, you know, wildlife places in nature. It's there's something very different about entering the water. You're you're really entering another world with these mm -hmm. beings. And um, I mean, they say we know more about space than we do even just the world's oceans. Yeah, and it really is another world. It really is. Yeah, and divers have an ongoing taste of this, but even the divers that I know, there is nothing like being face to face with, with a cetacean and particularly a whale. They just, they, they move people. <laughs> they're, they're just, yeah. it, uh, yeah, it's, it's an incredible, it's an indescribable experience. It really is. Um, and I, you know, I'm a proponent of, you know, when people do decide to, to do these kinds of activities, um, while it's it's you know very exciting to want to go see and swim with a whale or even or a dolphin my orientation is to try to encourage whoever is going to do this to think about what what they're bringing to the cetaceans um and i don't mean uh, a gift of a <laughs> of a toy or an object <laughs> it's it's more um you know if you could convey to to another species something positive and, and uplifting and, and a gift, what would it be? Whether it's, it's a kind thought, a compassionate thought, joy, just bringing something to them, gifting them with 
the presence of your being, the full presence of your being. Uh, I've seen animals respond so favorably to that orientation. It's, it's kind of unbelievable. Hmm. Well, let's get into some logistics. Okay. So we can let our listeners know how <laughs> they can make this life-changing, amazing experience of swimming with humpback whales a reality. Okay. So first off, where's the best place to swim with humpback whales? I believe that uh, for, for me, there, there are a couple places in the world that make this possible. I gravitate towards the Silver Bank, which is off of the Dominican Republic, in part because you're on a liveaboard vessel and you are, again, you're, you're at home, in their home for the duration of the trip, far out at sea, and you just are immersed in whale energy for that duration. I also like the Dominican Republic because there are guidelines and restrictions that limit the number of operators and boats and the number of tenders that can be in the mating and cabin grounds of these beings and also guidelines that really keep in mind and prioritize the highest well-being of the animals and so for for those reasons and the fact that there are many, many whales <laughs> around. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I like to go. Now I've been hearing Tonga mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And what do you like about silver banks more than Tonga? I mean, I know you just explained it, but yeah, just, um, I have been to Tonga. Uh, I was there last year and there are some advantages, um, but, but also some concerns that I have. Biggest concerns have to do with just the, the the numbers of boats and operators and the lack of any real guidelines that are enforced. I think they operate as many as 35 or 36 permits at a time. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just an incredible toll, I believe, on, on those marine mammals to have. And, and there aren't that many boats that are out at any given time. But there are, you know, a good solid 20 boats out at a time, if not more. And then quite a variety in terms of training for both the drivers and the guides and uh, just a lot of people. There are some things that they do there that, that wouldn't happen on the Silver Bank. Safety considerations in the way that the whales are approached and the different kinds of encounters that are experienced in water. You know, in some ways, because I'm a very experienced person at this, you know, I could see there's a lot of fun to be had in Tonga. And at the same time, there were some things that really raised some flags for me. Not to say that I won't go back there, because, you know, I, I very likely will. But given the preference, and, and then as ecotourism evolves, I'm really seeing the value for the sake of the animals of really kind of monitoring ourselves as humans in terms of what we're doing to mm-hmm. um, allow the animals to preserve uh, <laughs> the mm-hmm. integrity of, of their behavior and not be too impacted by, by our, our involvement. So again, I, I enjoyed uh, being in Tonga and people I met there were wonderful, but um, I'm seeing more and more. And, and, and as I do this with other kinds of whales and other species in other parts of the world, I am more and more a proponent of restrictions that preserve, again, the well-being of the animals, but also allow for, 
you know, safe and respectful ecotourism in its way. Should you go to Silver Bank to swim with humpback whales? Um, the Silver Bank, the season there, uh, it's basically late January um, through mid part of April, and that's kind of the heart of the of the whale watching season there. The whales begin to show up, um, similar to their migration patterns in other parts of the world in, in the northern hemisphere. They're probably whales showing up there now i know that there have been uh, there was a mother and calf sighted in hawaii and it's kind of a similar similar timing but the, the boats start the, the three operators who who do have permits out there start to show up kind of more in the in that the heart of that that migration um, and period for them to go to their mating and cabin ground mm -hmm. And how far in advance did you plan to go on this trip? The, it's a big trip. And because it's more and more popular, it's something you should plan a year to two years in advance. And I know that uh, spaces are limited. I think this coming season is sold out. And even next year is, is you know, people are very, <laughs> very excited yeah. to do this. So uh, it's something you should plan well in advance and also prepare for, um, you know, even if people are snorkelers, if you haven't been in the water recently, it's a great idea to prepare by testing your gear in the pool a few times, kind of strengthening your your snorkeling muscles and reacclimating so you're not having to kind of sacrifice your first day out on the water in, in reacclimating to that that activity. That's great advice. And we're going to talk about the big question. How much does it cost to do this trip? And how long is the average trip? Okay, the average trips are um, format is that um, people arrive on Saturday, board the boat Saturday evening, the boat motors out to the Silver Bank. So you're there on Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, it's, it's a six day adventure basically um and again you board the boat on a saturday you leave the boat the following saturday morning um so that's the duration and the cost is um it ranges from 30 about 3700 to 4100 and then there are um some fees that are in addition to that that have to do with with uh, cruising and and uh, fuel costs and and that runs about another 700 when it's all added in there and that's based on double double occupancy rooms and then the cost variance is dependent upon the kind of cabin that you would get and that includes you know your all meals and basically your your time and and uh you're very well cared for while on the boat. So <laughs> that's, yes. that's another thing I like about the Silver Bank is uh, uh, compared to Tonga, which those are day trips that are run where you, you, you know, you have to take some kind of vehicle down to the port and board the boat and go out and come back and then go back to your hotel, figure out dinner and all that. Basically on the Silver Bank, it's, it's just all there. You're on location 
and your meals are prepared, your beds are made. <laughs> yes. Happy hour. There's, you know, you are very well fed and, and all of that is in place. So. Yes. I love liveaboards. Yeah. I just want yeah. to get on, not be connected to internet and just go have an amazing experience. I'm, it's it, my favorite way to travel. It's a great escape in a lot of ways. And um, I, I love that there's not internet out there. It just it kind of keeps people present and, and, and more interactive. Just it's, it's um, interactive with each other and interactive with nature. It's really a great thing. So that, that's the, the price range. 37 to 41 prices kind of creep up uh, as the years go by just based on cost of living and, and um, all, of the, all of the fun things that we deal with with any kind of travel. <laughs> right. So, right. But that gives you, gives you a range. And where and how would you book this trip? Well, where should you go to book this trip? I would book through um, aquaticadventures.com is mm-hmm. the website. And basically once you get onto the site, it, it's pretty easy to navigate. It's a, it's a beautiful, uh, you're an, a website optimizer. I think you'll, you'll like, yeah. you'll like their website very much. And that kind of guides you through. There's a lot of information about, um, the whales, the, um, the, the vessel that we're on, um, the schedule, what to wear, um, you know, what to bring all of that is, um, detailed out for you i i go with um basically the the people that started doing this on the silver bank um this will be their 29th year wow yeah yeah and and i've been with um other operators out there i just eventually gravitated i think this will be my eighth year with aquatic adventures going um through them and um you know, it, in, a, in a good year when there's lots and lots of whales everywhere, all of the operators are having great experiences where I would really see the difference would be the, the leaner years because, it, you know, it's, it's nature that sometimes more whales migrate there. Sometimes there are fewer. And during the years when there were fewer whales from the other boat, <laughs> I would always mm-hmm. see their two drivers finding the whales, putting people in the water no matter what. And finally, I said, you know, I, I, I've got to kind of <laughs> check it out. And I've been, um, been there ever since and um, just really feel that they do a, an exemplary job. And there's consistency among their crew. And they've got a dedicated crew that just does the whales versus having crew members trying to run the main boat and run the tenders each day. It's, it's a blended crew. And so you have people that, have, that are doing this basically as part of their full-time annual work and really know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. it's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Now what are the physical requirements or skills needed to, to go on this trip? Are you scuba diving? Or are you just snorkeling? Yeah, it's only snorkeling. There's no scuba diving allowed on the silver bank. For this. So I would say snorkeling skills. Do you need to be um, a strong snorkeler? I would say you need to be comfortable enough to know that you're in open water. There's no bottom to stand on. Um, You're not required to get in the water either. Uh, We do have instances where 
you know, I've had groups out where like my friend, she didn't really want to get in the water until the last day. And sometimes people just observe from the surface because the tenders are right on the water and you are right with the whales. So again, it's not required that you get in the water, but a lot of people obviously yeah. do because that's the, that is the opportunity. Um, but you, you need to be able to get yourself out of the water onto a small boat, you know, efficiently. And that's using a ladder and, and crawling out. So, you know, a little bit of upper body strength, comfort in the water. And I can't emphasize enough to test out and spend a little pool time if this is not something that is part of your regular routine. Mm -hmm. Now, what type of gear should you bring on this trip? And if you don't have gear, can you rent gear? Uh, it's recommended that people bring their own mask snorkel and fins there is a limited availability for some kind of a wetsuit I, I recommend that if you're if you're going to sort of <laughs> afford the trip you want to you do want your mask to fit your face you want a snorkel that you can breathe out of comfortably and easily and you want fins that fit and you're going to do better off usually if you buy your own and take the time to, to make intelligent purchases. Um, the water is about 78 degrees. So most people are wearing two to three millimeter wetsuits. Um, and again, it's nice to have your own suit for mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of reasons. Right. Uh, right. Uh, hey, you got to stay warm somehow. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, again, it, it comes down to fit and comfort. Um, those are the, the absolute necessities. Um, you also, the, the wetsuit um, provides that sun protection. Um, if that's, if you're overheated in that, some people do get, get away with wearing rash guards. Um, again, it's mostly for sun protection. That should be, a three mil suit should be adequate for that environment. Perfect. And uh, last question is about tipping on a liveaboard. We, we talked about the costs earlier, mm -hmm. and and usually at the end of a liveaboard, you have a tip for the crew. What is the recommended tip for the crew? It does tend to vary. Um, I've noticed on this with this particular operator that people tend to tip um, in the fifteen to twenty percent range. Um, it's not, it's not required, but people tend to tip pretty generously on these trips. I think in part because the crew does such an excellent job. Um, you know, so I would say 10 to 20%, um, based on, on the, the rack rate, not, not including all the, the, the fees, the cruising and, and fuel, but on that, the rack rate for the room, room and board. So you might be looking around like four to eight hundred dollars in tip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that okay. that's that's right in the range. That's what okay. I use. That's what I usually tip in that yeah. range. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always an uncomfortable question. You're trying to figure out like how much. It, it is, and I appreciate the question because it, when I'm when I'm personally leading groups, it's a conversation that we have, and I just I kind of basically have them budget that in and then it's up to them as to whether they want to actually you know exercise that but i recommend that they budget that in so there are no surprises and pe people do generally like i say re reward the crew quite generously yeah oh, 
And finally, actually, we've got one more. Uh, what other tips do you have to our listeners if they want to go swim with the humpback whales? Tips, it's more attitudinal. You're out in nature and you're dealing with wild wildlife, wild marine mammals. And it's a very unpredictable environment in terms of your weather and proliferation of whales and their behavior. And so I would just recommend that people go into it very open-mindedly with a, a great deal of patience and with a sense of almost childlike wonderment and delight at whatever happens. And with that attitude, ironically, those kinds of people generally generate <laughs> the best experiences. But but um, it's, it's almost a lack of expectation allows for magic to happen. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've never, ever been out there when people haven't left just over the moon with their experiences, um, with the exception of people that have a certain held something that they absolutely must have. Um, it's like they, the small bird held in the hand. If you squeeze too tightly, <laughs> you mm -hmm. can uh, squeeze the life out of it. So I would say just bring your appreciation, bring a positive attitude. Um, just allow yourself to have fun being in the home, home environment of just some of the most beautiful creatures on the planet. Very well said. And I actually have uh, one more question that's been brewing. Okay. Um, yeah. So when you're in the water with mm -hmm. the humpback whales and mm -hmm. many of them may breach. <laughs> so do they know? Like, is this a problem? Um, okay. That's a good question. I'm laughing because um, I've been in the water and observed a couple times them breaching from from the water one of the things that the um, operators do which i love <laughs> in the silver bank for safety is that they will position they have a guide in the water that's helping to position the gas on a particular side of the whale based on uh, based on the conditions and we we position in such a way that if the whales breach they're breaching opposite to where we are oh Wow. So have you ever had like a weird experience where they got a little close on the breach? Um, <laughs> I have not. Um, a, a very dear <laughs> friend of mine had an experience where um, they were positioning for other reasons and, and did have, I would say a close call, but it was also very instructive and informative. And um, in that, the whale was extremely cognizant, very aware that there was a snorkeler there and, and actually pulled the breach. Oh. In order to um, assure the safety of, of that person. And, and it, was, um, it was extraordinary. It really wow. was. And, you know, it, it was one of those situations where, um, you know, it, it, it really wasn't intentional. They were, they were moving to position and happened to be where they were at. And, and uh, yeah, it, again, this group and, and one of the people, the person doing that was, again, not, not a guest. And basically, we all were amazed and awed at, at it, at what had happened. But um, 
again, it also reinforced, you know, why we position the way that we do. Right. And, uh, you know, and it's pretty, it is pretty interesting to watch them launch from, you know, from being in the water. It, the guidelines there created by basically the person that, that runs aquatic adventures. He also has formulated and, and written the rules um, for, for the government there. But um, they don't put people in the water with, with breaching animals. It's not like they would you know, right. um, drop people in the water in front of a, a calf that was breaching you in your direction, which I did see in Tonga, which oh. really blew my mind. But that you know they just don't they don't do that kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, they and these whales had been sleeping. They'd been sleeping for the last you know for a good solid uh, hour and a half. So we would get in the water and basically just float over these two a male and a female as they were sleeping, and then they would slowly come up and take a breath and then settle back down. And it's just that's one of the behaviors that's kind of fun to watch if you're <laughs> if right. you're quite patient because it's just this beautiful sort of meditative experience and and then lo and behold all of a sudden uh, the the male just did a little different thing and uh <laughs> made a little circle and it went oh boy <laughs> oh. and then off he went but again it was in the opposite direction of yeah of our of the guests and then and then the female followed suit um seconds later wow so wow. yeah incredible yeah. very interesting yeah huh. well thanks I've, I've always wondered um <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well wonder no more it's it's uh you know it's you know anything can happen but they've they've had very good fortune on the silver bank extremely good fortune in terms of keeping people safe while enabling really really cool experiences because whales do you know particularly the calves can come very very close um but we don't, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a cetacean toucher. Some people feel the need to try to touch things. And I, <laughs> I would find that a breach of, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, a behavioral breach, put it that way. Um, and we're, it's not ever recommended that you do that. But they are certainly at times close enough. Um, the babies come in pretty darn close sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Susan. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show and and sharing your experience as well as how to guide to make this experience happen. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you and reconnect after all these years. We'll have to do another cetacean vacation. Yes, I'm in. Great. Uh, well, thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have. And if you love the show, uh, then definitely go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And uh, also check out the show notes on experiencesyoushouldhave.com. I do a nice write-up of every episode, including links, photos, more information, uh, everything that was discussed in the show can be found there in the show notes. So experiences you should have.com. And you can also look for prior episodes and show notes there as well. So definitely give that a look. And until next time, and hope you listeners out there are having a very adventurous day or you're planning your next adventure.